And in the last 10 years, uh, the market across Asia, um, and in particular in Hong Kong, has changed dramatically. People have started to uh, collect Western art uh, on a scale that has never been seen before um, here in, in Hong Kong and across Asia. We've seen the expansion of art fairs such as Art Basel, and we've seen art galleries from the West set up um, presences here in Hong Kong, but also in other regions across Asia. If we come to Philips as an auction house, you know, this is our seventh year operating here in, in, in Hong Kong. And from the very beginning, we established ourselves as the auction house that um, introduces new names to the auction market in, in Asia. Welcome to the Artelligence Podcast. Live arts look behind the scenes at how the global art market really works. I'm your host, Marion Maneker. This podcast is brought to you by Live Art, the global art marketplace that puts you in control. Download the Live Art app to get all of the most relevant art market information, as well as access to exclusive private sales. Or visit us at liveart.io. Jonathan Crockett is the chairman of Philips Asia, where he regularly takes the gavel for the house's most important auction. This fall, Philips enters a new era in Hong Kong as the firm opens its headquarters in the West Kowloon Cultural District, home to the M Plus Museum. In this podcast, Crockett talks about the market in Hong Kong. Despite multiple shutdowns, including the pandemic closures of 2022, Philips in Hong Kong have still been able to sell a substantial amount of art. We discuss how Crockett and his team were able to succeed and which artists have thrived. Enjoy the conversation. Jonathan Crockett, welcome to the podcast. Marion, it's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, this This has obviously been a, a couple of odd years, but it feels like one of the driving factors of the art market, especially this year in 2022, has been buying from Asian collectors. And, and they obviously buy all over the world, but the Hong Kong market's been an, a very important you know, a piece of that, a place where things are featured and we can see a number of artists uh, uh, emerge. So uh, w- would you, you know, I know it's it's all a bit of a blur, but could you start by just giving us uh, uh, your overview of what the year's been like? Um, well, odd is certainly one adjective to describe the last couple of years. Um, I could think of all sorts of other adjectives. I uh, it's been a, It's been a very unusual few years, especially for us here in, sitting in Hong Kong. This year, 2022, the first half of this year in particular has been, I would say, a stranger or more odd season than the previous four, because uh, <clears throat> through 2020, 2021, COVID, Hong Kong did a good job of keeping COVID out. Um, and it was only really uh, in at the very beginning of 2022 this year when the so-called fifth wave hit Hong Kong. And Hong Kong just, uh, it really wasn't prepared for what hit it. And uh, because of the situation here, uh, many, many people uh, left Hong Kong. People, some people permanently, but other people who who just had not been able to 
leave Hong Kong in the past couple of years, just decided to, to take the opportunity to, 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 to just get out um, and, and travel um, and enjoy themselves to, 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 to holiday, spend several months out before, before returning. And people have started to return. Uh, people have been coming back over this summer, having spent some, some people three, four or five months away, catching up for lost time, whether it's on extended business trips or, or holidays. You know, 2020 and 2021 were extremely successful years for us in Hong Kong. In fact, we had our strongest ever year in 2020, which we then managed to beat in 2021. If you think about 2022 in the global context, uh, when it comes to Philips, 2022 so far has been our strongest first half of the year in company history. We've had our most successful auction in New York and, and transactional activity when it comes to Asia-based clients has remained extremely uh, strong. What was peculiar this spring, this uh, spring season, was that the local art market in Hong Kong has did suffer because of the local situation here. Many people had left Hong Kong. Uh, as I said before, people just weren't in the mood for buying art. Those who, who were still here had other things on their mind, as, as well as those who had left because, you know, it was the first time in two or three years when they had actually managed to get out. So, so they were just busy enjoying themselves. And the last thing on their mind were, was buying from a gallery or an art fair um, or an auction in Hong Kong. So no matter what business you, we, we were in, uh, whether it's you know, primary market or secondary market, everyone suffered this spring. But I'm, I'm, things are beginning to look up in Hong Kong. Um, I've just returned from a few weeks away. Things are heading in the right direction. And I'm, I'm hoping that later this, the, the second half of this year is going gonna, is gonna to be a stronger season for, for us all um, in the art businesses in Hong Kong. It's interesting to hear you say this because it, it still felt like, even with all the closures and the obstacles, that there was still more than enough buying. Maybe the numbers weren't as big and maybe you didn't put as much... Um, uh, into the auctions, but it, it, it certainly didn't seem like you were in those kinds of cycles where there was a lot more being consigned than there were buyers. The, the, the sales were, were successful and had uh, strong sell-through uh, rates. And we saw a number of interesting artists. In, in your case, you had a couple of artists that, you know, uh, you have multiple works do um, uh, exceptionally well. Uh, uh, for them. So is that just a matter of it being having a Hong Kong being the sales center for such a broader Asian market? I mean, you know, New York is a sales center for the Western hemisphere. Uh, uh, so it's, uh, but it seems in many ways that you, you have a bigger um, area to cover in Hong Kong. Well, as you rightly say, Hong Kong serves uh, the East as the art capital of Asia. And um, the spring provided a number of challenges across the region for, for the collectors here. The art business in Hong Kong is largely served by, by Greater China, Hong Kong being on the doorstep to, to China, uh, its proximity to, to Taiwan, and, and as well as Southeast Asia and, and Korea and Japan too. What we found this season or this last season was that, as I said earlier, the situation in Hong Kong was tough for us. But that said, the situation in China, in mainland China, was even tougher. And because of the situation in the mainland, we were unable to um, carry out our touring exhibitions there as we normally would. If art wasn't on the minds of people and collectors, it was, it was even further from the minds of collectors in, in China. 
we heard some horrific stories of, of what people had to go through there. And um, I think that largely contributed to a reduction in um, buying activity when it came to mainland China. And China does account for a significant proportion of our buying activity. In the normal course of events, I would, I would have expected more, more from China. And I think that that will bounce back later this year. Activity from across the rest of China remained, I would say, pretty much in line with a normal season, um, although it was somewhat muted because, again, uh, although we, we, we do have representation across Asia and we were able to send art to Taiwan and Singapore, for example, uh, which was then the previews were attended by our staff on the ground in those regions. We, the, the, the specialists in Hong Kong, weren't able to attend the art. We weren't able to meet with our clients um, in person. And many of the clients who attend the preview in Singapore, for example, aren't just based in Singapore. They're, they come in from across the Southeast Asia region usually, and, and they weren't able to do that. So, you know, gradually, as I think, as, 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 as Asia opens up, I think uh, we'll see a resumption of, of the usual um, activity happening from across the regions. Can you tell me a little bit about, I noticed there are artists who make up this market that I, I presume are collected across different uh, groups. Uh, you know, I'm thinking of, of the fact that uh, Nara and uh, Kusama are, are, you know, big artists in your, your sales, but you also have these strong presence of, you know, Eddie Martinez or George Kondo. And then there's been a whole slew of new artists who gain steam in um, your auctions uh, primarily. And they're not always, you know, they're, they're artists like Huang Yuxing, but they're also uh, artists like Catherine Bernhardt. And you had a particularly strong uh, sale this spring with, I think, you know, three or four different works of hers selling uh, very well. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to hear a little bit more how that, that works. Are you introducing your buyers to that artist or are they coming to you because she recently switched to Zwerner and, you know, getting access in the primary market is difficult. So they already know about the artist and they're looking to you as a, an entry point. Although, although the situation wasn't easy in the spring, we did end up having a successful sale. Perhaps if we kind of take a step back and look at the, um, the, the trends when it comes to collecting from the collectors in the region that's, that have developed over the last couple of years, we can kind of put things into context. You know, you rightly touch on Nara and Kasama being artists who uh, feature prominently in our sales on a regular basis. And, you know, Nara and Kasama have been names that are widely recognized by the market here and have been collected for uh, more than 10 years. But in the last 10 years, uh, the market across Asia, um, and in particular in Hong Kong, has changed dramatically. People have started to uh, collect Western art uh, on a scale that has never been seen before um, here in, in Hong Kong and across Asia. We've seen the expansion of art fairs such as Art Basel, and we've seen art galleries from the West set up um, presences here in Hong Kong, but also in other regions across Asia. These outlets are showing, are bringing um, to Asia new names. Um, and, and if we come to Philips as an auction house, 
you know, this is our seventh year operating here in, in, in Hong Kong. And from the very beginning, we established ourselves as the auction house that um, introduces new names to the auction market in, in Asia. People would kind of look, look to our catalogs um, as, a, as a way of you know, sifting through all of the artists that the different galleries and the different art fairs were, were introducing as a guide to who they should be buying. And our offering has been extremely well received. We have not held back in terms of the names that we bring. We like to think, we, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed with having a very talented team, not just here in Hong Kong, but across Asia, very much in tune with um, the collectors um, and the market in terms of uh, what it's looking for. So we have our tried and tested names who we continue to source and, and, and offer in ourselves, but we also bring new names and continue to experiment by, by introducing new names to the market each season. And we've had great success in doing so. You know, we, we, we consistently set not just new records for the artists in Asia, but uh, global records for, for, for artists. So Lucy Bo, an artist who is very difficult to, uh, to, to, to acquire on the primary market, appearing at auction um, for the first time, providing access to collectors who weren't able to buy from primary, the opportunity to, to acquire from auction. And, and that, was, that was a huge success. And the same goes for Bernhardt. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned um, Catherine's work earlier. We, we did offer three works by her this spring and all three did phenomenally well. I think achieving it might be the three of the top five prices at auction, if I'm not mistaken. I think there's a, a variety of different reasons why her work in particular appeals to the, the market here. You know, they're, they're, they're very bright, colorful, cheerful paintings, easy to appreciate um, aesthetically. Um, but I think, you know, the, the representation by David Zwana it certainly helps. And, you know, whereas, I, you know, I, I did mention that Phillips, uh, people look to Phillips as a way to sift through the, all the names as a, as a kind of stamp of authenticity. That's the same rule applies to the big name galleries. So collectors here, will, you know, if an, if an artist is represented by Zwana, then, or, you know, by Kodansky in the case of Lucy, well, it's going to make that artist all more desirable. Well, they, they, they would be no different than any other collector's uh, in today's market. I mean, everyone wants to know that there is a large, reputable organization behind, standing behind the artist so that uh, when you're buying, you're not necessarily sort of left uh, alone. And we know it requires a great deal of support um, in terms of exhibitions and uh, collectors and supporting the collectors across the board to, to make a successful uh, artist's career. I mean, I, I presume something similar, not not with a global gallery like Zwerner, but something similar is happening with a Yako Rokaku, uh, you know, because she too has been uh, doing exceptionally well and sort of selling across uh, a, a bunch of different auction houses. But you guys had some particularly strong sales in that same sales cycle. Yeah, a, a Yako Rokaku is is um, a bit of an anomaly, I would say. She's done again very well at auction. We've had great success offering her work here in Hong Kong. Again, this spring, we sold the work which achieved over a million US dollars. Her market in Asia really exploded in the aftermath of a show that we organized for her in our space here in Hong Kong. Prior to that, she was a relatively unknown name here, and we offered our platform to um, introduce her to the Asia market. And since then, 
We've seen her work gaining momentum in terms of demand here and achieving one record after another record to the extent that she's now selling for more than a million US dollars. Again, there's kind of parallels you can draw with Catherine Bernhardt in that they're bright, uh, colorful, pretty paintings, um, which appeal to um, the aesthetic here. And I think in the case where Catherine Bernhardt is, is um, represented by Zwana, people kind of look to the show that Phillips organized in Hong Kong as that kind of stamp of, of approval when it comes to Rokaku's work. So Rokaku, the aesthetic you describe as being popular, you, you can broaden it. There's a, there's a group of either truly naive artists or um, highly trained, but working in a naive style um, uh, artists, uh, you know, Nava, Kerwick, uh, Bozo, which you sold uh, uh, very well. Even even there's a certain element of the other side of it, these very sort of um, uh, accomplished, but dealing with sort of almost childlike imagery, plans and Javier Callea, uh, 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 those, those artists, seem to do particularly well in Hong Kong. Is that just because, you know, there's global buyers coming in through these Hong Kong sales? You get a lot of buyers who are not in Asia, you know, on the telephones. Or is it more that that's sort of a, a pan-Asian, you know, aesthetic or taste? I would definitely say it's more of a pan-Asian taste rather than a global taste. You know, more than 85% of buying activity when it comes to our auctions in Hong Kong comes from Asia. But it's not, you know, it's not just Hong Kong. It is Pan Asia, you know. If you and if you look at the records um, that Rukaku has set um, at auction, I, I think most of them are all set in in Hong Kong. As you rightly point out, there is this trend um, that has developed and has, de- has continued to, to develop among the local um, client base here, collector base here, who are looking for works by 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 the na- all the names you mentioned. And I think this is representative, uh, not just of the, the local taste, but also of the mindset and the, the age of the collectors who are buying. These, this is a whole new generation of collector um, that have come into the market in the last few years. Many of them are second generation, as in their parents were collectors before them, but um, had collected in other fields, whether it was in Chinese ceramics and works of art or Chinese modern painting. These are people who um, are now successful, fi- successful financially in their own right and are coming to the market to, to start collecting, but are doing so um, with a whole new aesthetic sensibility. And this is informed not just by their own upbringing in Asia, but also by their exposure to media on a global level and, and as well as their time spent abroad, whether it is studying or working um, in Europe or the US. And, and, and it's, it, it's, it's quite exciting because it's, it hasn't happened before and we don't know where it's going to lead. Um, but I think we at Philips are pretty well placed um, to serve these changes in the market. So... We'll see what where it leads next. Exciting is a good word to use for it. I mean, it is in many ways wholly unexpected. And I know, you know, when we go back to the first sort of explosion of cause interest, it, it upset a lot of people uh, who maybe weren't in tuned or from that mar- market. But uh, I don't think anyone expected to go from cause to maybe Nava the way it ha- has. And there are a number of artists, I, I suppose, who, who fit 
or can be fitted into this broader aesthetic, whether it's, you know, Shara Hughes or Huang, you know, the, there, there's a lot that's going on and it's certainly not one dimensional. I mean, there, there are so many different spokes that come out of this shared um, sensibility. Uh, that's what's been exciting to, to, to see about with so many of these artists uh, emerging. You guys are moving into a new um, headquarters sometime fairly soon, right? This fall, or is it next year? Yeah, that's right. We are. It's it's incredibly exciting. We're moving into a new space in West Kowloon. Um, we're going to have uh, more than 50,000 square feet of space, which will be devoted to permanent auction room, galleries, as well as our, our offices. Um, the space is particularly exciting because it comprises of the bottom six floors of a skyscraper directly adjacent to the newly opened M plus museum. Literally it's, it's 10 meters across the, the road from um, the museum. We're, we're already in there, um, but it's going to take um, several more months of fitting out before we can, we can actually move in ourselves and, and, and hold shows and, and auctions there. As you've mentioned that, um, we will be starting to roll out a program of, of events that start the transition of um, us moving uh, to, 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 to West Kowloon. We're planning uh, a selling exhibition in West Kowloon later this year, the details of which I, I can't share with you at this stage, but it, it is a particularly exciting show. And next week, Beyond Hong Kong, we'll be holding a show in collaboration with the artist room in Seoul, in parallel with the debut of Freeze when they opened their fair there in Korea, um, as well as Kiev, Seoul and Kiev Plus. Something we've had great success with is um, organizing pop-up events in the regions uh, beyond Hong Kong. Uh, this is the first time we'll be organizing an event in Korea other than traveling exhibition for, for one of our auctions. It's, it's a pretty exciting opportunity for us. We're showcasing 23 different artists, the likes of which include Hernan Bass and Aya Hobson. I have a list somewhere. Let me check. <laughs> it's, always, it's always never on Morris. the tip of your tongue when you need it, right? No. So almost skipped over the importance of your um, new uh, headquarters. I mean, if if I'm correct, uh, it makes you the first uh, global auction house to have a permanent sale room and, you know, such a sort of large headquarters as opposed to having some offices and renting out the um, convention center to hold uh, uh, your sales. So that, that really kind of gives you a... Um, a lead in the region as everything uh, uh, opens up again. And then more importantly, that West Kowloon cultural complex is a significant monument, a, you know, a combined government effort to create something very central to uh, establishing Hong Kong as a cultural center. And you will be located right in that complex. I mean, I, th I think that that's, that that's not just having office spaces that's you know significantly planting a flag for uh phillips in hong kong oh hugely so thank you for bringing me back and giving me the opportunity to speak about it again no it's it's very exciting for us look we've only been in hong kong for uh coming up to seven years now and from the very beginning i was keen for us to make a mark to stand out and for people and to succeed Many auction houses have set up shop in Hong Kong, some with greater success than others. But 
I didn't want to just be another auction house here. So with our first sales of 20th century contemporary art, I wanted to do something different than, than everyone else and, and to provide an offering of, of, of names and material that just wasn't available here yet, which was directly relevant to what the market wanted. So, you know, our first auctions really offered something that did something completely different to the, to the, to the norm. You know, we were introducing new, new names, but we weren't just doing that. We were um, introducing the very best design furniture, um, photographs and additions too, um, alongside our watches and jewellery offering. Plus the way that we would engage with our clients and, and, and market the, the sales and present the auctions in the exhibitions were done in a way which would, would force to people to, to stop and think. You know, we would have Chinese uh, collectors of, of Chinese modern art come in to look at a specific painting by a, a Chinese modern painter. And we would have hung it next to a print by Gerhard Richter and you know, next to a, a mid-century piece of furniture underneath a 1920s Murano glass chandelier. And they would walk into the space and think, wow, this is amazing. Um, I, want, I want it all. And this is a collector who had never bought anything other than Chinese modern art before. And they were suddenly an additions client, a design client, um, and as well as a, a paintings client. Um, so, I, you know, I've, I've kind of wanted to look at how we can um, do something different, but, but grow the business and kind of firmly establish a presence here. And, and the move to West Kowloon is, is very much part of that. You know, Auctions here in Hong Kong have typically used a, a site other than their own to hold their auctions, whether it's in the convention center or in, in a hotel ballroom. And they, the, the auction season typically happens four times a year um, over the course of the spring sales when either Sotheby's or Christie's is in the convention center um, in the spring or in the fall. But people don't just buy art you know, in, in, in four weeks of the year, people are always open to buying art. And, and I was kind of, when, when the opportunity uh, for West Kowloon came up, I, I, I couldn't have been more excited because it gave us the chance to create a permanent offering. So no matter what week of the year it was, that you, you could always walk into Philips and see something on view, whether it is, you know, was watches, jewelry, or, or art or design. And that's that's the model we're kind of working towards. And the fact that we're going to be directly adjacent to the M Plus Museum couldn't be more exciting because although Hong Kong has been difficult to get into and over the course of the last, I think, uh, seven or eight months the, that the museum has been opened, more than one tenth of Hong Kong's population has has, has gone to see the, the show. Uh, you know, it's, it's fully booked out. If you go to the, sorry, not the show, the museum, you know, it's fully booked out. It's it's very difficult to get in, and one can hardly imagine what it's going to be like once the borders fully open. You know, the the, the museum is directly um, built. It's built above the terminus to the, the the airport, the MTR line to the airport, but it's also next to the uh, China High Speed Rail Link, which brings people in from mainland China into Hong Kong. It's right next to some of the best hotels in Hong Kong, uh, as, well, as well as the best residential um, developments. The view is fantastic. There isn't a better view. So it's, it's, I'm really excited because it just means there's going to be a huge amount of foot traffic. And by having those bottom floors, it's just, it, it couldn't be a better marketing for us as a company. We're, we're going to, you know, on the, on the ground floor, it's, it's ground to, to ceiling glass windows so you as you walk past which you're forced to do uh, on your way to the museum you will be able to look into Philips and see 
either an auction happening or, or, or an exhibition on, on view. So it's, it's, it's very exciting indeed. I can't wait to show, to show it to you when you, when you make it here. It's been uh, some somewhat a long time uh, coming, and there's been a lot of competition in the region. You know, Hong Kong is such a important economic center. It is, you know, uh, uh, fascinating to see this cultural complex come together because it's clear that there's a huge appetite uh, for it. And and I guess that's always the the real question about how these things work is it is it tastemakers who create the markets for these things or do you know entities like galleries and auction houses kind of lead the way and show uh you know how all these things can be fitted together and help um clients you know if not create their taste at least guide some of their taste and inter- or introduce them to new things whether it's having them come for, to buy watches and acquire art or come to uh, uh, buy one type of art and you know get interested in design uh, uh, objects that certainly on a global basis seems to be the way the business is going but it seems exceptionally strong in uh, Asia we have been doing well um, recently I, I, I do I do firmly believe in in the future um, and how important um, Hong Kong will be on a global uh, scale when it comes to uh, the auction business. It's only going to go from strength to strength. Yeah. I'm going to give you the last word with that. That sounds like the perfect place to stop. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thanks, Marion. It's been, it's been uh, fun. Thank you for joining us at the Artelligence Podcast, edited by Colin Ketchin who also composed the original music. For more episodes, listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to download the LiveArt app or visit us at liveart.io. Please join us for the next episode of the Artelligence Podcast. We're looking forward to it.